0: We are in week two of our series, One Hit Wonders. This week we are looking into the book of Philemon and the song, Take On Me. Let's see if you recognize it. Remember it, or you've heard it in a movie, or like it for whatever reason, let us know. Take on Me was written by the Norwegian synthesizer band Aha, and it is by far their most well known song. The reason is the video and the super catchy riff. It won six video music awards in 1986. The song and the video is loved globally. In the music video, a girl sits down at a dinner table at a diner to be pulled into a comic strip by the lead singer. The whole song and the entire video are ridiculous, visually stunning. As a matter of fact, it took 16 weeks and it was compiled of 2,000 drawings. Finally, it's tied into the tension of will she or won't she accept him into her world. Paul wants Philemon to accept Onesimus, a runaway slave, as if he is accepting Paul. The key verse in regard to how we're supposed to understand what Paul wants Philemon to do is found in verse 17 when Paul says to Philemon, Welcome Onesimus as if you are welcoming me. Let's read through this text together in the book of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend, and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers, because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother." For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, as an elderly man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. Once he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending my very own heart. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel he might serve me in your place. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed might not, might not be out of obligation but out of your own free will. For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time, so that you might get him back permanently, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. He is especially so to me, but now how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. And if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account." I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe me even your very self. Yes, brother, may I benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Since I am confident of your obedience, I am writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, since I hope that through your prayers I will be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It's only 25 verses. The passage has theological undertones and practical overtones. One summer, some friends of mine and were working to memorize passages, and one snooty Reformed friend, you probably know those guys, recommended that we as a group memorize the book of Philemon. My rebellious, contradictory heart asked him in the moment, Why? That book is kind of weird. So if you're like me and you have a contradictory, rebellious heart, you may be asking, Why should I care about this quirky little book? Here's some things for you to consider, for all of us to consider. If you've ever wronged someone and needed forgiveness from God and or another person, then Philemon is for you. If you have ever been wrong and, and needed to extend forgiveness to the person who hurt you, then Philemon is for you. If you've ever been stuck in the middle and felt the need to encourage forgiveness between two people, then Philemon is for you. Friends, the theological implications are definitely there. The practical applications are in caps lock, bold neon. Forgiven people forgive, period. Reconciled people are reconcilers, period. We are not only saved from something, we are saved for something. Immediately we're going to have excuses like, No, or I have to wash my hair, or I don't want to. C.S. Lewis talks about forgiveness, and he says this, We all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. We need to forgive our brothers 70 times 7, not only for 490 offenses, but for one offense. When we do not forgive those who hurt us, friends, we cheapen the work of the blood of Jesus. How and why? When we do not forgive, in effect, we are saying that the blood of Jesus... "...was enough to pay for our sin, but it was not enough to pay for the sins of others." You being in Christ means that Christ is in you and you are not in charge of your life anymore. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we're looking at the book of Philemon today, and we're going to look at it in various portions. We're going to look at partnership, verses 4-7. through Parallel. Eight through ten, the problem. Verse eleven, the proposal. Twelve through sixteen, the possibility. Verse fifteen, and the power of the gospel. Verses sixteen through eighteen. So together, we're looking at this new book, and we have to ask: New book? Who this? It was written by Paul, who is at this moment when it's written in a Roman jail. It's written to Philemon, someone who trusted in Christ through Paul's earlier ministry. It's written about and delivered by Onesimus. Here's the thing. We just get dropped into the middle of a story, and we're trying to catch up. So I need you to know a few things. Onesimus was a slave of Philemon's from back in the day who made a break for it, and according to the law, he should have been punished by death. With that in mind, we look at what's taking place. The first thing we see is the partnership in verses 1 through 7. Really, the greeting is 1 through 3, 4 through 7 show us that partnership. Verse 1 Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier that's the son of Philemon and Aphia, many believe, and to the church that meets in your home grace to you and peace from God our Father. And our Lord Jesus Christ. Philemon is leading a house church, like many of us feel like we're doing right now. Paul led Philemon to the Lord at Ephesus. They developed a close friendship, a deep relationship. And when Philemon comes into a relationship with Jesus, it is full on. He is all in to following after Jesus. His wife, Athea, uh, she was absolutely into following after Jesus. They have a son named Archippus whose name means master of the horse. Their son is literally named Horse Whisperer. And he was all into following after Jesus. They are full-on committed church folk. They are Christians with C-H-R-I-S-T in there, hearts. Paul sees it. Paul acknowledges it. Verse 4, we begin to see this partnership. I always thank God when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith you have in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement from you because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother." Now, the key word in this portion of the text is the idea of participation that my translation uses or partnership some translations use. Many will use the word fellowship. And when we read words like fellowship, it brings certain things to our mind. Some say fellowship. This is a word that we can trip up on because it makes us think of potlucks and donuts and fried chicken and stomach The idea of fellowship is definitely there, of relational, communal care. But if that's the entire idea that we have when we consider fellowship, we've missed it. It misses the business portion of what Christianity is about. Friends, we have a mission. It does not negate that we're a family because the church is a family on mission. We are on mission together for the glory of God to the ends of the earth. Paul and Philemon were united in that mission. He says about Philemon, I thank my God when I think about you. I want that to be said of me. I hope you want that to be said of you. Church family, we're united in a mission that is no different. We want people to know and respond to Jesus through the power of His Word. And I want to encourage you. Our elders are so thankful for you and the way that you have uh, given to the mission of Grace Bible Church during this difficult, strange season. We're still hoping to help families with our our Corona Relief Fund. We're still trusting that God is going to use our resources to care for our ministry partners and our missionaries that we, we love. We love you and we are thankful for God when we think of you. Furthermore, verse 6 sets us up for where Paul is going to take us. His goal. Paul has a goal with what he is saying here. And that goal, the partnership he has with Onesimus, is to be the exact same partnership that Onesimus has with Philemon. So Paul is saying to Philemon, I love and I care for Onesimus. I have a relationship with him. I have a partnership for the gospel with him. And, Philemon, I want you to have a relationship with Onesimus that is the same. Because there are some parallels between the two. We actually see that when we look at verse 8 through 10. The parallel between, uh, between Philemon and Onesimus. In the letter, Paul makes an appeal for Onesimus. Philemon and Onesimus were both the spiritual children of Paul. And Philemon received Christ early on and was all in, as we said earlier. Onesimus had trusted Christ through Paul's ministry in a Roman jail and Paul will talk later about how he has helped him greatly. Paul also refers to himself as an elderly man. Most scholars believe he was in his early to mid-forties and he needs to slow that down. But Paul is the boss. He's the boss of the whole deal and he knows he is. He actually says that in verse 8. For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right... Paul, up front, says, I could make you do what I want you to do. I can take the lead and make you do what I want you to do. Paul knew that would not remove the bitterness in Philemon's heart towards Onesimus. Paul then goes on and says, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. As an elderly man and now as a prisoner of Christ Jesus... I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. Paul is saying, Philemon, I am your spiritual father in a sense. In the same way that I am the spiritual father of Onesimus. Because of this relationship, you two are unified. You are similar. Though you may not see the similarities. The reason that Philemon would not see those similarities is because of the background of their story. Remember, we've been thrown into the middle of the story. Lots of movies do this. It's a Wonderful Life does this. Casablanca does this. If you watch the Lord of the Rings saga, we're thrown in. The first movie we see is the the Lord of the Rings. We don't see the Hobbit story. The Star Wars saga, that we're introduced to it in episode 4, Onesimus's background is that he was a slave who had abandoned his post. And he was a slave. There's a possibility he sold himself to Philemon and then left, more than likely stealing something on the way out. He had a contractual obligation that he broke. Now, before we go full on into the idea of slavery. I just need us to know it's different than what we see in the American slave trade. It's not good, but it's different. 80% of the Roman Empire was enslaved. It had nothing to do with race. It was not like what we know as American slavery. You could be a king one day, lose a battle, and be a slave the next. Slaves could own land, Uh, Though it wasn't based on race in the New Testament, it wasn't an awesome idea either. Remember, God uses the language of slavery to talk about the hold that sin has on each of us. Paul also calls himself a slave to Christ. So what we learn about slavery and what we can learn is if you are a slave to anyone other than Christ, then that debt is unbearable. The debt Onesimus had was unbearable. And was he deserved death, based upon their laws? Verse eleven, we see a continuation of Paul's explanation of the story, where he says, "This once Onesimus was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me." Names matter; they just matter in the Bible. We see that a lot. Philemon's name means affectionate. Uh, his wife's name means uh, fruitful. As I mentioned, their son was, for whatever reason, named Horse Whisperer. Onesimus, in the name, means useful. And as you consider that, it it does matter. We have kids at our house. They all have names. I would imagine they do at your house, too. Shepherd. Charlie, Nolly, and Alder. It may shock you that we recently brought another living organism into our home. We brought a foster dog named Charles. So now, not only we have a Charlie who lives in our home, who is named after his grandfather, Charles, we have a dog named Charles. Names matter. As I said, it's a play on words when Paul uses this. Because Onesimus' name means useful, Paul is saying to Philemon, I know he was useless to you. I know you view him as a good for nothing, but I just need you to know he is great and he has a new identity now. He then makes a proposal, a bold proposal. He says this, I want you to receive him just like you would receive me. Verse 12, I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending my very own heart. I wanted to keep him with me, so that, in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve you in, serve me in your place, but I did not but I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that your good deed might not be out of obligation but out of your own free will. Hear Paul again, if I make you do this, it's not going to really change you. it's not going to matter. Have you ever been forced to apologize? Have you ever tried to force a child to apologize? This goes really bad. You might as well try to tell a fire to stop blazing or an Alabama fan to stop bragging. It just doesn't really work. For both Onesimus and Philemon, if this is a matter of force, it's not going to work. There's going to be resistance. There's going to be resentment. But Paul is pointing out to Philemon what he undoubtedly had pointed out to Onesimus. The possibility that's there. What if God has been doing something in this all along? Not just in this moment, but in the moments that led up to it. Look, Philemon, this thing happened. And I know you were frustrated. He was on the run. But think about how God worked in that. God brought him to me. I already had a relationship with you. I loved you, and he did not view you as highly as I did. I now know both of you, and I love both of you, and I'm going to send him back. God at work in the moment, but also in every other moment. Pastor John Piper says this, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. But Chad, something bad happened. Are you telling me that God uses bad things? God used the worst thing imaginable to bring about your salvation. That He would offer up His Son as a sacrifice. That is our Christian hope. It's the gospel. And in 16 through 18, we see the power of the gospel. And as these thoughts continue, He says to Philemon, I want you to receive Onesimus, who was a slave, but I want you to receive him no longer as a slave, but more than a slave. I want you to receive him as a dearly loved brother. He is that to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Remember, this is an awkward moment for everyone involved. This is a letter that has been delivered by hand. One of our church members, he sends me letters. His name is Giles Parker. He is in the third grade, and when he writes these letters to me, it is awesome. He also writes letters to other people. Recently, he has written letters to Daniel Radcliffe, who played Harry Potter, Emma Watson, who played Hermione Granger, Rupert Grint, who... Played Ron Weasley, J.K. Rowling, who wrote the books, Mike Pence, who has nothing to do with Harry Potter, Donald Trump, who doesn't have anything to do with Harry Potter either, and Mimi and G. Paul. He's going to drop these off in the mailbox and they'll come to whomever. They'll go to whomever. In Paul's day, there is no post office, there is no UPS, there is no FedEx, there is no Amazon. There's no email. You cannot text or airdrop or whatever your Android phone supposedly does. This message was going to be delivered to Philemon by hand. And the hand that delivered it would be the hand of Onesimus. He is standing there in front of his former master, waiting to be received as part of the family. This does not mean Philemon gets to look at Onesimus and say, Paul vouched for you, so I'm not going to kill you, so get back to work. It does not mean that he even gets to look at him and say, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on you. This means that he is no longer a slave and they are reconciled to one another. Again, God uses the worst things imaginable, the worst thing imaginable to make us his sons and daughters. That is the cross that God would use the cross. The cross is never mentioned in this story, but there is no way to miss it. Look at what Paul says. If you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Let's not miss his intentional language that he's using. Everyone take a look at verse 6, verse 12, and verse 20. At your home, I want you to acknowledge what do these three verses have in common. Notice, in verse 6, he says, Philemon, you've been refreshing hearts. In verse 12, he says, Onesimus is my very heart. Finally, he says, refresh my heart in verse 20. He uses a different word than that is usually used for heart in the Bible. He does not use the word where we get the idea of cardio or where we get the idea of running more than likely from something. He uses the word that means your insights. It's about emotional care. And Paul is saying, you have been on the mission of caring for the church, Philemon. I care for Onesimus, and he cares for me. So I want you to care for me by caring for him. Encourage me by encouraging him. Care. This is the practical gospel on the ground. That is where the gospel has to be. Not just in our heads, but our, in our lives and the way that we live. He goes even further. "'If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe me even your life.'" This is a story about how the gospel transforms human relationships despite class or racial distinction or one person wronging or hurting another. Do you see what Paul is saying here? "'Anything that he owes you, I will pay. Any debt that he has, I will deal with.'" Paul is pleading the case of the guilty before the innocent in the same way that Jesus pleads the case of the guilty before the innocent. Everyone in that society would have been against this. It would be like the entire workforce and the internet stopping working in the same day. What if every slave wants to be a son, Philemon? Our world will stop functioning. But Paul knows... And pushes anyway. That's why there would be a point in the book of Colossians where he says this, that in Christ there is no barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This story, the whole gospel story, does not minimize sin in any way. Onesimus has wronged his former master. But it maximizes the price paid for it. Sin says, Chad has a debt. And Jesus says, I will pay it. In the same way, another Christian has wronged you. Jesus says, I have not wronged you. Receive that person like you are receiving me. Now remember, we're in a song. Take on me. If you will remember, I said the video, Take on me, does not make any sense, but it is incredibly compelling. Have you thought about how the world that we live in can make no sense of the message of the gospel, but it is incredibly compelling. The same can be said about what God has done for us in Jesus. The reconciliation makes no sense, but it is incredibly compelling. Friends, to become a Christian is to receive the grace of God through the work of Jesus Christ. To live as a Christian or to live Christianly, as one theologian puts it, is for you and for me to be reconcilers, showing grace to those who wrong you, Pastor Scott Saul says this, Truth without grace is basically aggression dressed as religion. I pray we not only know the truth of the gospel, but show it in the way we respond to people when they hurt and wrong us. Grace is not just our church's name. It is to be the posture of God's people. History teaches us that Onesimus was received back by Philemon. And eventually he will become the bishop of the church. Because God restores. God restores when we wrong and hurt one another. God's the only one who can do that. So maybe this week you would look into your own life and you would consider have I wronged someone? How could I make that right? Do I need to forgive someone? Do I need someone to forgive me? And work through the truth of this story because this, this is not just the story of a slave. It's the story of God's reconciliation that He has offered us in His Son to be lived in us and to be lived through us. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it's true. And I pray that we as Your people will be reconcilers this week and not only this week, but every week that is to come. Continue to be with us in these strange, unique days. Remind us of Your goodness and grace. And and Lord, remind us to be people who live that grace out. We ask all of this in Your powerful name. In the name of Jesus our messiah and reconciler amen